something changes when you make peace with yourself. I think that is the most important deal in life. So what about some peace negotiations with yourself before you go on and have mega deals with others? Welcome to the Megadeals podcast. Today, you will meet a powerful woman, and I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long period of time. I have been following her on LinkedIn, where she has a big follower base. Originally, she comes from the banking and the finance industry and have held positions within sales and marketing as VP for Citibank. She's been at BNP Paribas Commerce Bank, etc. A few years back, she decided to leave the old life of the financial sector and move into a new domain. She became a professional speaker, a trainer and advisor in negotiation and emotional intelligence. In today's episode, we will of course talk about the nine-step method of negotiations, but we will also talk about life in a larger context and how you can change a behavior over time. It is with great pleasure I welcome Lucine Merabi. Thank you for having me, David. I'm looking forward to this. Me too. It's a true honor. So I think it's interesting to look into your background because today you are a negotiator or at least you train negotiators And you're also, I would say, an expert on emotional intelligence. You are a thought-after speaker, etc. But if we go back in time, you were working, was it at the stock exchange? Yeah. In the financial sector, which I also used to do. So I think that's really interesting. And I left that myself. So tell me, why did you leave this safe and exciting environment of financial sector Mm, exciting it was for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I started in 2001 uh, in the banking field and I've been working for investment banks and the stock exchange in Europe, for several investment banks where I was heading the structured products department. So I was involved in sales, strategy, and of course, negotiation and lobbying. I've done that for 15 years. And uh, my last employer, the Paris Stock Exchange, had a very generous training department. So they brought in two professional negotiators to train us in complex negotiation. Um, and before they came, I thought, I thought I was kind of a good negotiator because I was negotiating big deals um, and very often. But then when I learned their method and their skills and the, and, and the way they were negotiating high stakes negotiations, such as hostage taking, suicide negotiations, and really very high stake negotiations, I realized, wow, this, this negotiation thing is not something that you can just improvise. Mm. It's actually a hard skill. It's not only a soft skill. There are actually things that you need to know in order to it success, in order to do it successfully. Mm. And since I was passionate about what they were teaching us, I decided to continue my learning in that. And I uh, continued studying with them until I became a certified professional negotiator. 
So that was in 2014. And then I got pregnant. I had my second child. And when I came back from maternity leave, I realized that a lot of things had changed in finance, in my job, in myself. And I just didn't feel aligned anymore with what I was doing. And I thought it was time for a change. So that's why I left the finance world after 15 years. Wow. It's it's a big step to, to leave that safe environment because I used to make a lot of money as well when I was in the financial sector. So it's really a big thing to, to leave that. But what was the main driver, you would say, for you? Thinking back, I think something had changed during my maternity leave or during the pregnancy. I don't know what it was. I was simply starting to be more aligned with who I was and what I wanted. I remember when I came back after maternity leave, I was reading my emails to come back on track. And it was like I saw myself from a helicopter view reading those emails that I had self myself written a few months prior. And I thought, what am I doing here? How can I have done this so passionately? Whereas in the last four months where I was on maternity leave, I hadn't checked the stock exchange once. I hadn't looked at what the CAC 40 was doing, what the euro dollar was doing. And those were things that I was checking like 50 times a day before. Um, and that's when I, I, I felt like something had changed. And then the company was also going through a massive reorganization. And I didn't completely um, agree with all the decisions that were being taken. And I just felt that I didn't belong there anymore. And of course, it was a very difficult decision. And people thought I was completely crazy. As you say, it's a safe haven. You have your high salary and the business card and the beautiful title and the institutional power that goes with that. And I stopped without knowing what I was going to do at all. So it was scary, but I just, I didn't know what I wanted. I did know I didn't want that anymore. I had the similar experience. I had a brain tumor surgery and then also some recovery time. And I had exactly the same uh, journey as you described when I looked back at my previous work. And I said to myself, is this what I want to do for the next 10 years of my life? And uh, no, probably not, right? And I started to work with myself, spend several hours every day, listen to interesting people like yourself on podcasts, in, on YouTube, etc. And uh, a new world kind of appeared. Uh, and and I, I noticed things within myself that I hadn't kind of freed up before. So that was an interesting journey and I couldn't stop. Uh, so I had to take a time out and ask myself, is this something I want to do? Um, so it sounds like we have something in common there. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. It's indeed in these life-changing periods, right? Where life wakes you up of what are you doing? And mm. is this really aligned with what you want to do and who you want to be and who you want to become? Mm. Um, and that can sometimes be a disease for yourself or for someone you love or, or losing someone or something. Mm. Um, and then it's an invitation, right? I see it as an invitation of life of saying, this is the mirror. Have a look. Is this really what you want? Exactly. And if the answer is no, then it does take courage to change gears. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also interesting. I want to come back to that. But when you focus on something, it tends to expand, right? So after a while, your mind and your brain keeps firing and wiring the same things over and over again. So you don't really think about if this is something you like or not. You you become more like a robot. And don't get me wrong, you can still be passionate, as you say, about it. And you can still love uh, your work and love your colleagues but then when you step out of it you 
you ask yourself, is, is this really what I want to do uh, for the rest of my life? So I don't regret anything. I'm sure you don't do either, but it's just different stages in life, right? Yep. And I have the impression many people are going through this. You see many yeah. people, uh, especially from finance, by the way, I've had mm. so many colleagues who then decide to all of a sudden after 10, 15, 20 years, decide to go and and follow their true passion. And that yeah. can be something completely different. Like, I don't know, acting or baking or yeah, whatever exactly. it is. And I love to read that kind of stories because it takes so much courage to say, you know what, I'm going to go from certainty into mm. uncertainty mm. voluntarily. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So when you find that why or, yeah, as Simon Sinek say, or that purpose of yours, it's almost like a, a poison you you can't uh, you can't say that and i don't think you should you know push that or press that to the side because it will it will hit you later so this is so interesting so how did you end up as a negotiator expert in the end yeah well when i had the opportunity to learn from these fascinating negotiators i i, I remember once looking at them and listening to them and thinking this can actually be a job. You can mm. actually negotiate for a living. Mm. I didn't know that that job existed. Mm. Um, so as I said, when I left finance, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I did a one-year executive coaching program mm. at HEC in Paris. And I absolutely loved that year because I learned so much about human behavior and psychology and all those things that are, of course, super important in negotiations. And back then, these gentlemen had already asked me if I wanted to join them as a consultant. But I was such an analytical thinker of, you know what, I in finance, this is my job. I don't have time to do anything else. But then when I left and I launched my own training and coaching company, and then for personal reasons, we moved from Paris to Dubai. Um, and I actually posted something on LinkedIn. I don't remember what. And they saw that and they reached out saying, hey, you're in Dubai now. You're working for yourself. So what about joining us now? And then the timing was perfect. So that was 2018. And I decided to join them um, and become their head of Middle East and provide their trainings that had been such a game changer for me a few years prior. And now I'm providing those trainings here in the Middle East. So th those are masterclasses in complex negotiation where we help companies um, to negotiate better, better deals, better agreements, uh, be it in sales, procurement, uh, whatever it is. And the collaboration so far has been going great. I love collaborating with them. I continue learning from them, with them, and, and obviously from my clients as well. So, yeah, that's fun. And that's how I became a professional negotiator. And, and I know from listen to other podcasts that these two gentlemen, uh, the, it's two French guys, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Laurent Combalbert and Marwan Mary, two French guys indeed who have launched uh, the ADN group, which is the right. International Negotiation Agency, ADN. And um, they ha even had the, like a, 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 is it like a Netflix series that, or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in, 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 in Paris, in France, they are really, kind of celebrities mm. almost by now because they appear on TV and radio all the time. And they together they've written more than 30 books on negotiations wow. and, and, and subjects like that. Um, they, they teach at HEC, at the Sorbonne, uh, and they are often asked about complex negotiations worldwide, what mm. is happening. Um, and indeed, their lives has inspired the CBS series that's called Ransom with right, a beautiful the actor mm. playing the role. Yeah. yeah. 
ransom. Exactly. Yeah. So that is based on their lives and on the negotiation method that they have created that I teach. And it's fascinating to see ransom because the actor was actually very, very serious in his role. And he got trained in level one, two, three, and he kept asking questions. He really wanted to do this right. Wow. So I'm very happy with the end product. Cool. So I used to be a police officer earlier, uh, and um, I noticed that women were better negotiator than us men. Is it like that? And if so, why? Hmm. Question that I get asked all the time, ah. are women better negotiators? Yeah. So the thing is, within ADN Group, we have created a negotiation test and it's, it's, it's become now world known. It's called the NSA Negotiation Skills Test and Assessment where you go online and you answer, I think it's like 100 questions, and you have one hour to answer them. Mm. So this is like a real test with right and wrong, uh, without interpretation. And you can score between zero and 999. Now, 15,000 people have already taken the test. And if you look at the top five, there are three women. So what does that say? That means based on 15,000, Um, the, the percentage of women being in the top scorers is way higher than the percentage of professional women on the field mm. because we are only 10%. Wow. That's even less than in finance. In mm. the professional negotiation world, we are only 10%. Women represent only 10% of professional negotiators and mm. then we have 90% men. So it is interesting to see. So why do you naturally think that women negotiate better? It's because women naturally tend to have some skills that are very important in negotiation, be it listening skills, be it empathy, being connecting to what somebody is going through. All those kind of things are things that I think women naturally have developed better because from a young age, when we were playing with dolls and communicating a lot, the listening skills and the, and the communication skills have simply been developed more. Um, and those were also encouraged. But then again, then you can say, why isn't it in reality that we have more female negotiators? Then what I think comes in play is um, the self-confidence part, mm. thinking I can do this. Um, I think men naturally tend to have more self-confidence than women. Mm. Um Again, I'm not talking about statistics. This is pure my personal observation. Mm-hmm. But there are a few things that come into play that that explain why we have more men than women in this field, where naturally you would think women would do it better if they would given the chance and, uh, mm-hmm. and the confidence that goes with it. Now, it's so interesting that you say that. And I also think we will see a lot of women taking senior positions like leader position in companies going forward and we already see it and and some companies like H&M the Swedish retailer i mean they have more women than men and also you know all the way up to the board and um it's interesting to to see how companies of today communicate when they do the messaging and the content and the commercial, you can almost always tell that it's it's done by men. (laughs) But if you look into the statistics, we can see that the majority of of the decision when you buy something to the home or you buy a trip for the family, etc., the decisions are mainly taken by the women. So a lot of the companies miss that. And all the traits that you just talked about, and I, I think we can add or five more traits that would make the women better leaders in the 21st century. Because today, the skills you need to lead today, 
mm. is all the skills you mentioned and a few more. So this is really interesting. I think you are a woman that every men and women should follow and and listen to when it comes to negotiation, but also a lot of other things like a growth mindset and uh, emotional intelligence. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, the different steps. So the nine steps you have in your method, right? Uh, in the mm-hmm. negotiation part, because I think that's really interesting for the listener in this Megadils podcast to know about. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to go through them all or if you want to pick some of them. I can give a few examples. Yeah. So there are nine steps indeed that uh, we share to allow people to negotiate anything, any type of negotiation. We use exactly the, the same nine steps. So be it hostage negotiation, suicide negotiation, diplomatic negotiations, or for example, when we're negotiating with frontline negotiators, uh, be it in war zones to let, for example, food and women pass in a certain area, whatever type of negotiation we intervene on, we help on, we advise on, or we train on, it's exactly the same method. Mm. And also it's very international. We can literally apply it in any country, in any circumstance, because What's inside of it changes. Mm. So as you know, negotiation is a complex thing. Mm. Uh, It's not something that you can prepare in a way and say, okay, if you do this, that will happen. Mm. And there are many negotiation books written in that way of saying, okay, do this and that will happen. Mm. And I think that's very dangerous Mm. because negotiation in the end is a human element. It's Mm. a human factor. So you can't predict anything. Mm. What you can do is prepare. So the nine-step Pacific Ad method has been built in a way that doesn't give you tips of do this, do this, do that, but allows you to ask yourself the right questions. Have I thought about this? Have I prepared that? Have I looked into that? And then once you have done the preparation part, which are the first five steps, then you go on the negotiation table and you feel more equipped, you feel more confident, you feel more informed, you feel more skilled of going in there and then adapting to whatever is happening on the negotiation table. So it's not by preparing yourself for every possible scenario, because that's impossible. Mm. It's rather preparing yourself of knowing what am I doing here? Why am I here? What is it that I want to leave with? And then going into it with an extremely open-minded attitude of saying, who is in front of me? What do they want? What is important to them? And can we find a deal that satisfies both of our needs instead of our wants? Massive difference there. So the first four st- five steps are to prepare where we talk about who is going to be the decision maker and who is going to be the negotiator and why it's important to separate those two, where we're going to analyze the market and make sure we get the right information about the people that we're negotiating with, about the people that are influencing the people we negotiate with. Um, and there are like that many, many steps that we do. We prepare who is going to go on the negotiation table If you have the luxury of having a team with several people, it's important to decide, okay, who's going to stay out of it? Who's going to go on the negotiation table? Which two people we always advise to go in with minimum two people. And then once you're on the negotiation table, we use all the skills of active listening, of influencing, um, because we always say negotiation is how you influence someone in doing something and not persuasion or convincing or selling. All that is something else. Mm. And then the last steps are how to debrief efficiently so that you learn from your negotiation and then how you can transmit the knowledge. How can you share that with others 
so that the last two steps become then a preparation of your next negotiation. So that is how the how the nine step pacificat method has been built, and that is what we teach. It reminds me a lot of the the Megadis discipline, how you you need to map out all the different stakeholders and and understand them. And if you go into these war rooms, as they call it, when they you know collect all the information about the, a specific company, they go mm-hmm. in in such a depth and do such a preparation. They are you you can't as you know, to point you you can't be prepared for every different scenario but the more you prepare and the more experience you have as well and the more data you have the, the better would probably the outcome be so when i think about ai and all the digital things out there and we say that ai will take over a lot of works and um, maybe if you drive a cab today that's maybe not something that's no one's going to do in 10 years from now but this skill that you talk about here is something that we probably never can outsource to ai or is it well they are advancing very very fast and 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 robots are able to do a lot more um in the negotiation world it's a human factor because you need to feel what is happening on the negotiation table and uh, you need the micro expression. You need to analyze. You need to understand what is somebody saying, but what does they? What do they mean? Mm. As I tell my participants always, we need to learn to listen in five D. So, mm. what is being said? Mm. How is it being said? What is not being said? What is actually being said, and mm. what is being meant? Right. So, if you if you turn on your ears like massively and say, I want to learn everything and I don't want to miss anything. Mm. Um, I think AI can play an important role in this field in helping us how to read micro expressions, for example. So those are the the information that our body gives before Mm. our mouth gives it. So I think there is place for AI in this, into doing it better, but just like everything, the question is, how will it be used? Mm. Where is going to be the ethics in this? And who is going to manage the robots? Mm. Um, and that goes for everything where we use AI for now, who is mm. behind them and who controls them and what happens to the data? Mm. And those are important questions that we need to ask ourselves before we embrace any of that new technology. Wow, I totally agree. It's so interesting you mentioned micro-expressions. I, I heard and uh, also read an article the other day about micro-expressions and, and that small children they don't stop screaming because they don't see the micro expressions of their mothers because they are have so much botox in in, in their face so the, those micro expressions kind of being erased uh is that really? something you heard about no no i haven't read it no. but what i'm really worried about right now is those babies that are born in the corona period and they see people with masks on all the time oh you're so they right. miss literally half of the face Mm. And I am worried about what will happen to their emotional development uh, of these youngsters who, yeah, who see masks all the time. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So in this time of COVID, so we talk a lot about uh, enterprise social selling and you should engage with your audience through different platforms like, for example, LinkedIn. I mean, we had massive help from that ourselves and, and that's something we teach and we have written about it in, in the Megadils book. Uh, you are really good uh, at posting articles, etc. on LinkedIn. Uh, in what way does it help you? Well, I'm only on LinkedIn. You're only Maybe on that's LinkedIn. That's the reason. 
I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram. So I don't cool. have a Facebook page, no YouTube, no, no website indeed. No yeah. website, nothing. I'm only on LinkedIn. And it started with, in the beginning, I just had like a thousand contacts from my finance background. And then one day I started sharing one article about a personal thing that I was going through. And that article got shared so many times that I thought, wow, this has nothing to do with my professional background, yet there is a demand for this. And then slowly I started opening up and sharing a little bit more, you know, step by step. I'm not that, that kind of person that shares everything online. Mm. But when I saw the feedback and the impact that that had on people, I felt kind of responsibility of saying, well, if I have this information and this expertise and people are being helped with it, then maybe I should share it a bit more. So that's when I started sharing. And then I started sharing things about work. I mean, I love sharing knowledge. That is my job as a trainer, right? So um, from time to time, when I have an inspiration or a bit of time, then I put something on LinkedIn and indeed, yeah, it goes, uh, many people like it. I don't yeah. know where it comes from. I think it's just the authenticity part yeah. because there is no strategy. It's not meant, I'm not selling anything there. I'm just sharing stuff and uh, yeah. But Lucine, we, we are we are selling all the time, but we maybe we're not thinking about it, right? So maybe uh, maybe that's yeah. the best sale then. Exactly. Because my clients do come. All yeah. my clients, again, I don't have a website. If people reach out to me, I always ask, "How did you find me?" Yeah. And it's always through another client. It's always word to mouth or LinkedIn. That's mm. it. So then that shows indeed the power then of of those platforms. Mm. I did want to mention that because I think you're you're a role model when it comes to to um, the way the way you write the, the the openness and and how how you can build rapport and build trust because since we're talking about mega deals um, in the mega deals podcast it, it's it all comes down to trust in the end and mm-hmm. and you are a role model when it comes to building trust and and rapport through a social platform where. You don't meet, um, I mean, most of the ones um, never physically, probably, or just some of them, uh, only only through this channel. And um, it's interesting how you can lead, how you can, as you say, share knowledge without meeting people. It, it's it's mm-hmm. amazing, right? And to not take that opportunity, I think that's a big loss for for. For many people who just use LinkedIn, for example, as, as a CV. I mean, if I had a sports yeah. car, I would like to drive it as a sports car, right? And not like a Fiat Punto or something. I like Fiat, but <laughs> maybe, you know, so I uh, had dif- different purposes. So so why just use LinkedIn as a CV when you can share all this great knowledge that you have and, and help others? Because I got really inspired of reading uh, I think it was just the other day, a, an article about you and your son. It's, I mean, I cried. Uh, it was so powerful. You did? Yeah. Well, that wasn't the goal, but... Yeah. But I like crying. So uh, I like laughing and crying. Well, we need more men who, who like crying. <laughs> it's, it's an important part. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my husband to listen to this one. Talking about trust, so this is absolute pivotal when doing mega deals or large deals overall. Please, could you elaborate a bit more about trust and how do you build trust? Um, The thing is with trust, trust is the binding element in any negotiation, in any conversation, in any communication, in any relationship. Without relationship, there is no negotiation. Without building rapport, there is no negotiation. And you have to be able to do this quickly. 
especially if you're dealing with people that are extremely difficult or who have complex profiles or people who you would like never be friends with in real life. Uh, when you're dealing with the hostage taking, it's not because you like that person that you're going to build rapport. It's the what you can gain out of that mm. building rapport that matters. And you have to be able to do that fast. And for me, it's very simple. You gain trust by giving it. So me sharing my stories and being there, uh, you know, authentic and vulnerable, um, that creates trust because, again, I'm just giving. I'm not asking for anything in return. And, yeah, I think that is that is the part. Plus, there is no, you know, it's it's not, as I said, there is no strategy. There is no bells and Christmas <laughs> lights around it. It's just, you know, it's the way it is. And... I've always had this skill, and I think we can call it a talent because I didn't do anything to build it, but I have this skill of saying things that are difficult to say. Mm. And I always had that even as a kid, when there was conflict, be it at home or in school, I would take on the role of being like the representative of let's come to an agreement, whereas everybody was like, I don't want to talk to that person. Or um, So yeah, some things are important to be said, and we need someone to say it. And that takes courage and that takes skills. And I think because whether I wanted it or not, I had to do it when I was a kid. That just became a part of me. And now mm. I can use it in other fields. Oh, that's amazing. And and I love how you say if you you want to gain trust, you have to you have to give something, right? So I, I think a lot of people said it, but I think Gandhi probably said it best, or at least he's one of the most well-known persons so it, it echoes a lot but if, if you if you want love you have to give love and and if you want power you have to give power <laughs> so it, uh, if you yeah. I, i've even you tried have to it empower with, others yeah exactly mm-hmm. so i even tried that with money so if you want money it, it actually helps to to give people money to help other people that have a, have a hard time um so a lot of us going around thinking that we want Uh, a lot of things um, and we want this and that but it is not just something that I say because I I try different approaches and uh, I find out later in life that if you really want something you have to give it first and when you do it over a longer period of time you then forget that you want it so you're just so overwhelmed and uh, so happy by just giving so you forget what you actually wanted in the first place that's beautiful it is the fulfillment yeah yeah the fulfillment you get from sharing and giving is 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 worth way more than yeah than whatever it is that you could get back in mm. return mm. um but th- then again in life we have givers and we have takers yeah. and uh I think it's something, a natural tendency that you know about yourself. But I do believe we are being educated in a world where um, we're being shown that there's so much scarcity. Mm. And if you think there is scarcity in everything, then obviously you're going to want to take, 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 take. And I think that's a big waste of life um, because, first of all, I don't have a scarce mindset at all. I think there's more than enough for everybody. Mm. Um, And the fulfillment you get from giving is Mm. just amazing. Yeah, it is. It's it's definitely worth it. Yeah, and I do believe it comes back, but in mm. an unexpected ways. It's yeah. not like mathematical. Exactly. Sometimes it comes back as it being a person or or help mm. or advice or a mentor or you give you get. That's for sure. Yeah, but how do you? Because you know you're schooled in emotional intelligence, so you have a lot of knowledge 
in a lot of areas uh, that you know sits in our mind, so to speak. So if we just take a few minutes to talk about mindset. So there's a lot of saying going on right now, what you focus on expands. So if you think about something and you also, of course, you have this goal and you take action to in the end reach that goal. But let, let's say I'll go around and, and think to myself, I need to be more happy. And I have to think about becoming more happy, for example, because that's probably what most of us in the end want. But it's not that easy, right, to, to steer your mind. You, you can say that to yourself, but you're still feeling unhappy. So how can you break out of the old habits uh, and the old thoughts? What are some guiding advices here? I think it's very simple to be happy, but it's extremely difficult to <laughs> be simple. Um, and that is because we're living in a fast-paced world where we are being educated and taught that we need more, more, more. Um, so I think there is a big part of the population that is only into getting more, more, more. Um, whereas what if the secret into happiness was in having less, in wanting less, in instead of wanting more, creating more gratitude for what you already have. So I think happiness is a complex thingy because everybody sees happiness in a different way. But whenever you have a goal, as you said, whether it's happiness or something else, the most important thing that I would ask myself, and it might sound counterintuitive, is what is preventing me from? So how come I don't have it yet? How come I'm not there yet? And then try to get rid of those stuff. Instead of adding, so going and have another online course and read another book and meet another person, what about you get rid of everything that prevents you from having that or being that? So let's talk about happiness as an example. Why don't you simply make, I mean, I, I grew up in finance, yeah, so I think in Excel. <laughs> I would take an Excel sheet, simply very analytical and write down what makes me happy. If you want to be happy, have you ever wondered what makes me happy? Can you answer that question very fast? So what are the 50 things that make you happy? You know, let's go crazy. Let's go in happiness mode. What makes me happy? And then write them down. Mm. Is it reading? Is it exercising? Is it whatever it is? You mm. just write them down. One, two, three, four. Try to get until 50 because by doing 50 and not five, you really go beyond the natural things that come and you really think about what am I and what makes me happy? Who am I? So you go a bit deeper into who you are and what brings you fulfillment. And once you have that, then you, on the other side, you write what makes me unhappy in my life. So I'm not talking about hunger and that kind of things. Mm. Most people, fortunately, don't have, aren't hungry, the ones that are listening to this podcast. Mm. So simply write down what makes you unhappy in your day to day. And then the third line would be, what am I spending my time on? Mm. And which of that list are negotiable? Mm. So obviously... The idea is to get rid of all the things that you do in day to day that you think are important. Mm. But if you look at it really very critically are maybe not that important. So spending five hours on Instagram is maybe not that important. Um, and then simply making choices and making decisions. Mm. I think happiness starts with a decision right. from now on. Yeah. I'm going to be happy yeah. and then actively work on it because happiness, I don't think is a noun, it's a verb. 
you mm. work on it. You're it's right. like love. It's not yeah. a noun. It's not like once you reach it, then you have it for the rest of your life. Once exactly. you reach it, and then what? Yeah. It's not reaching it. It's maintaining it. Yeah. That is the real struggle. So now everybody might wonder, why do we talk about these things in a Megadils podcast? Because everything you told us about, either if it has to do with negotiation, which is a pivotal part of deal making, or feeling good, or creating new habits, or stop doing with things and choices, everything has to do with life. And and it also has to do with, with, with Megadils in the end, because... If you if you're not coming in uh, with your energy and and your confidence and your power over yourself, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you can have all the skills or the theory in the world around how to do mega deals, but if you don't master yourself and all the things that we talked about, it will fall apart anyway. So yeah. Emotional mastery is, is key in negotiation. And as a negotiator, I tend to see everything through a lens of negotiation. And I always tell my clients, how can you negotiate great deals if you don't know how to negotiate with yourself? Love that. And that is way harder than negotiating with others. So if you can gain control over your own behavior, if you can really listen to what it is that you need, and if you have the empathy to talk differently to yourself and become the person that you want to be. That is how you can influence others, be it by example, be it by the way you you feel and you walk. And something changes when you make peace with yourself. I think that is the most important deal in life. So what about some peace negotiations with yourself before you go on and have mega deals with others? You gave me goosebumps. I love that. That was amazing. That was amazing. I, I I could go on talk to you for hours. I, I I've loved this episode, Lucine. It was absolutely amazing. Thank you, David. What do you want to leave the audience, the Megadis audience, with? I want to leave the audience with: we are way stronger than we think. I think a lot of people now, with with the COVID measures, are going through a hard time. Um, but it's also an invitation, an invitation of saying, you know what? If you can't go outside, if you can't connect with others, what about having a conversation with yourself? What about getting to know yourself better? What about listening to yourself better and developing you? I truly believe that is the best investment you can make in developing you. And we are in a world where you have access to a lot of information for free. So there's no excuse in terms of resources. There's no excuse in terms of time. If it's important to you, you will make the time. But sit with yourself and ask yourself, who am I? What do I want from life? What do I want to give to life? How can I contribute? How can I help others? Why was I born? I think it's time to ask ourselves these kind of questions and step out of the rat race for a second where we keep running and running and running and running. Mm. Don't wait for a divorce to wake you up, a disease to wake you up. You knock your head against the wall to wake you up. Use this opportunity and it's a choice. You can decide right here, right now to say, you know what? I'm going to look myself in the mirror and discover myself, get to know myself and have a nice peace negotiation with myself. I promise you it's worth it. And the impact that that has on you, on your family, on everybody you're dealing with will be remarkable. Wow. Thank you. And if I think to myself, I have to sign up. (laughs) 
So, listen, uh, I I know you 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 run these trainings from where you live in in Dubai online today. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you said that you don't sell, but but let's uh, assume you would sell for a second, and you have the opportunity to do that here and now. Uh, is it for anyone who wants to sign up? Can I sign up to your to your course or? Well, I, I only work with corporates, so okay. it's corporates buying my training for their teams. Right. Uh, once a year only, mm. I do uh, oh, one masterclass only. for the public where anyone can sign up with a good level of English and, and, and the basics in negotiation. Oh. Um, so then it's for uh, individuals. Uh, but as I said, since I'm not a salesperson and I don't like selling, <laughs> I don't do that hassle of going through organizing that but obviously i do collaborate a lot with companies so yeah. if there is anybody else who would like to sell my training open to the public feel free to do so <laughs> as long as i'm dealing with one person and one invoice and one person to deal with amazing i love that okay um uh, so you don't have a website but can i reach out to you on linkedin uh, if i just want to connect with you or how do i yeah. how do i follow you Yeah, you can definitely connect on LinkedIn. I try to answer all the messages myself, so LinkedIn is the only place for now. It's good. Don't don't leave too many choices out there. That then you don't <laughs> know, know what to do. So go into LinkedIn and uh, follow Lucine Merabi. Uh, and uh, if if someone connects with you, you probably say yes as well, right? Yeah, I do. I don't connect with people who have just a dodgy. Uh, see what you mean profile you know so there are people out there and i really don't understand like they don't put their work they they put a weird name they they put no picture then obviously i i I don't accept those it's good that you say that because it's an important part of of appearing and and build trust as well so it starts somewhere with i mean have your profile pictures visible uh describe what you do or what you want to accomplish Write something about the company you work for or yourself, etc., etc. And I mean, exactly, you, it doesn't you, have to be like a fantastic profile, no. but you can't be on LinkedIn without putting your real name, without putting a picture, without putting a, a company. I mean, you see like dots, and I'm like, I, I mm. don't accept dots. I'm sorry, I need no. to know who you are. Or people, uh, another one, take a picture who put a picture with um, glasses on, sunglasses. I'm like, yeah. really? Yeah. It's just, yeah. <laughs> Or with a mask yeah. right now, like seriously on LinkedIn. Anyway, not anyway. judging, but I won't accept those. But if you have a normal profile, you're welcome to connect. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I learned a lot again, <laughs> and I you're very welcome, David. I hope to speak with you soon again. Yeah, anytime. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for the opportunity. It was nice talking to you. I think that was a really interesting episode. Lucine is a great person with a lot of skills. And I just wonder if you, listening to this, would like to deep dive into the nine steps of negotiations. If you think that is a good idea, please reach out to us and we will ask Lucine to come back with a second and a third edition. Thank you for listening in and please... Join us and follow us on LinkedIn and all the other social medias. And we meet soon again. Have a great rest of your day. Bye now.